Gracious Father, we come with hearts grateful as we come in this to journey in this season of Advent, grateful that you have brought a Redeemer King, grateful that he is among us today, grateful that he's coming back to redeem and restore every broken thing in our lives and around us. We pray as we open your word that you would come and speak to us in a mighty way. We need you. We need you to come and transform our lives more and more around the image of our Savior. So Holy Spirit, we come and open our hearts to you that you would do that work among us now. We pray that you would open our eyes wide to see the glory of our Father in heaven, the glory of our Savior. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. Well, there's a gift that I get every single year, something that Kimberly loves to give me, and, and when I wake up on Christmas morning, my stocking that's hanging on, uh, above the fireplace is filled with this gift, and I actually look forward to getting it every single year. You know, I can only imagine what people think when they come in my office and see this gift on my desk, or when they ride in my car and they see this gift on my dashboard and on my uh, side panel, or when you come into my house and you look at our kitchen counter, it's kind of the bane of Kimberly's existence, but there is the gift again. It is the gift that keeps giving. You wondering what this gift is? Those of you who know me well, who've come into my office, uh, staff especially, know exactly where I'm going. It is colored post-it notes. <laughs> colored post-it notes. I love them. You know why I love them? Because when I have a thought, if I don't write it down, guess what happens? Boom, it's forgotten. And so I have them all over and pins everywhere so that when something comes to mind that I need to make sure I remember, I write it down on a post-it note. Now, you all may not share my love of post-it notes, or maybe some would say my obsession of post-it notes. But there is something that we all do share in common that revolves around those. You know what it is? How prone we are to forget. How prone we are to forget. Not just forgetting our to-do lists, but more importantly, how prone we are to forget the mercies of God. Friends, when we forget the mercies of God, we begin to live out of a distorted vision of God. And when we live out of a distorted vision of God because we've forgotten His mercies, it actually changes the way we live, doesn't it? It changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we handle different situations that come at us. It changes the way that we respond to adversity. It changes the way that we respond when fear grips our lives. It changes the way we respond when things seem to be out of control. You see, there's a great danger in forgetting the mercies of God. Because once we forget those mercies in His grace, we live out of a distorted view of who He is. So this morning, we're going to dive in to the beginning of Psalm 85 that we just read a minute ago. And in this psalm, what we're going to see is the importance of coming around and remembering the mercies, the attributes of God. So as we look at those, we're also going to see this. What happens, what the danger is, I think one of the great dangers of forgetting who God is. 
So let's dive in. Let's look for a minute at verses 1 through 3, the importance of remembering who God is. Now, let me set this psalm up. This psalm is, it, it falls into the Psalms of Lament. This psalm was written after the Israelites had come out of Babylonian exile. They're coming back to Jerusalem. They've been in exile. They're coming back to a city that they have found is laid in ruin. And so they're faced with a a destroyed city and a very uncertain future ahead, a kingdom that has been divided and fractured. And the psalmist is coming to remind them of who God is in the midst of an unknown and uncertain future, coming out of a very bleak time in their lives. But we read in the first three verses these words, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sins. You withdrew all your wrath, and you turned from your hot anger. We read those words and I immediately think how important it is that we not just remember, but that we live out of these words of who our God really is. So let me ask you a few questions around this description of God and what He's done. Do you see that God looks favorable upon you? I wonder, how would you answer that question? Do you see that God looks favorable upon you? Not because of what you've done or trying to live a good life, but He looks favorable upon you because of who He is. Because you were made in His image. Second question is this. Have you experienced His restorative grace in this past year? Can you remember times in this year when you saw God coming and restoring broken places in your life? I wonder, can you name them? Do you remember them? Or have you forgotten them? Because life has just taken on a whole new challenge and you've just run through things. I wonder if if you remember what He has done in the past for your life. Another question is this, do you live out of the reality that, that through Jesus you are truly forgiven? Do you have a clear picture of what it looks like that God has said that He has forgiven all our sins, every single one of them? I wonder if you remember that and how that shapes your life today. I wonder if you're someone who is experiencing His forgiveness every day or have you forgotten that He is the God who looks favorable upon you? That He's the God who has forgiven all your sins. That He's covered them. That He has withdrawn His wrath. And through Christ sees you with great delight. I love how the psalmist begins this by pulling our eyes to remember the actions of God. And the actions of God speak to who He is. He acts out of what is true of His character for you and me. Friends, that's the importance of remembering God. And I think in this season that we're in, we need to remember more than ever because of the uncertainties we've faced earlier this year and the uncertainties ahead. When we we remember who our God is, we can walk with a greater strength and faith, confidence and boldness into the future ahead. So that's how he begins, reminding us of who God is. But now I want to look for the rest of this time at one of the great dangers 
of forgetting who God is or having a distorted vision of God. You see, when we have a distorted vision of God, when we forget who He is, you know what happens? We find that our lives become filled with folly. Look at verse 10. Our lives become filled with folly. Here's what we read. Actually, it's, yeah, it is, no, it's verse 8. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for He will speak peace to His people, to His saints, but let them not return to folly. There's a warning there. Let them not return to folly. Do you know what folly is? Folly is one who's playing the fool. That's what you're playing. You're playing the fool. One who plays the fool has little regard for God. The one who plays the fool has forgotten, has forgotten the mercies and the goodness of God. And friends, honestly, when we take a look at our lives, we will see, if we're really honest, that there is folly in our lives. Every single one of us has those times, those moments where we live as if we've forgotten the mercies of God. Let me tell you what folly looks like practically. Folly is living a life out of heavy burden. I wonder if that's you this morning. Living a life out of heavy burden. Folly is living a life bound by past failures and sins. You're bound by those. You're not free to live in the newness of grace. Folly is living a life out of striving to be loved and accepted. Is that you this morning? If that is you, then you're living a lot of a distorted view of God and its folly. Folly is trying to earn God's favor. Folly is living a life out of a formula that if I do A plus B plus C, then here's going to be the outcome. Friends, all of these are ways that you and I tend to live a life of folly where we have forgotten the mercies and the goodness of our God. Now, while we have our own individual follies, I think that there is a folly that is being played out in the church that I've got a name this morning. There is a folly that I see that many of us have given ourselves to, and it's grieving the Lord, and it's destroying our witness in the community. It's a, it's, it's a folly that I find in churches around America today, and it's a folly that I see at St. Andrew's today. Do you know what that is? It's the folly of division. It's a divisive spirit. It's the folly of division. We have allowed politics to divide us. We have allowed racial issues to divide us. We have allowed the coronavirus to divide us. And friends, hear me clearly on this. It is good to be passionate about what God has put on your heart. But if you are passionate to the degree that you are being divisive in this church, in this community, that is a sin that we have got to repent of. You see, here's the reality. The question that we've got to ask ourselves is this. Am I passionate about what God is passionate about in the way that He is passionate? Let me say that again. Am I passionate about what God is passionate about in the way that He is passionate? Friends, it's good to have passion. It's good to stand on principle. But are you doing it in a way that brings honor and glory to God? Are you doing it in a way that is bringing peace and purity and unity in the church? Or are you doing it in a way that has become divisive? 
Step back and think about how you come across to people who have a different view politically than you. How do you come across toward them? What are your words toward them? Your actions toward them? What does your social media show about your response toward them? What do your thoughts show about your response toward them? How do you view someone who has different religious views than you? You put up barriers and walls, or do you engage them? How have you been responding to people who have a different view and take on the coronavirus? What's your show, social media been showing? What are you saying? I have people, I've seen people getting shouting mats, shouting matches about the different ways that, that, that people respond to this. Here's the question. Are your actions bringing more division or are they building bridges? Friends, it grieves the Lord that we are a church where there is division, where we have allowed division to creep in. That is folly. And, the, and he says, the psalmist says this here, do not turn back to folly. We've fallen into it. And it's got to be named and addressed. You know, when you're passionate about your view, what's motivating you? Have you thought about that? What's motivating you? Are you, are you promoting what you're doing because you, you're, you're demanding your side to be one? That your side is right? That you've got to be heard? Friends, instead of being on mission with one another, I think that many of us have counted the other as an enemy. We might not have gone so far to say it that way, but I think that's how we are often viewing one another these days in this area where we've become so divided, not just as a country, but as a church in America. And I would say even here at St. Andrews. You see, what we see in the life of Jesus is this. Jesus came to do what? He came to tear down walls, not build them up. Jesus came with grace and truth. We've got to walk with grace and truth, but not in a way that's going to divide people, but in a way that is going to build bridges. Let me ask you this question. How are you allowing God to shape and form your life around what you are passionate about? Have you taken that to the Lord and asked how He wants to shape and form your life around what you're passionate about? I love what one of the people asked Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? Do you remember how He responded? We see this in Matthew 22. Jesus responded by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment of the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. One of the things that, that I think leads us to be divided is that we're not loving God first. We're loving ourselves first. It changes everything when we begin to love God first. But then loving our neighbor as ourselves are you really loving your neighbor as yourself? I think some of us probably are, but I would say others are not. How are you allowing God to shape and form your life, the things that you're passionate about?
Would you say that you've given yourself so to the Lord that the fruit of the Spirit is really welling up in you and coming out of you? Remember the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Friends, these are marks of a follower of a Jesus. These are marks of one who's submitted themselves to the Lordship of Christ and is allowing God to shape and form how we respond to things that we're passionate about, how we respond to difficult issues in the church. What grieves me about this and why I believe this has got to be named is this. We live in a world today where there is a desperate need for hope. And friends, where is hope going to come from? But the church. We are the people of hope. And what we're called to do is bring the hope of the Gospel to those living without any hope, especially now. Friends, we have got to put away our folly. We have got to name it. We've got to get on our knees and repent of it. And we've got to stand forgiven and cleansed, living as people of peace in this community. I believe that we need to repent of the walls that we have built up around one another. We need to repent of our pride. We need to repent of our judgmental attitudes toward one another. And we need to come back together, friends, as one body united in Christ for His mission. For His mission. Then we will begin to see a world coming back together. Then we will begin to see hope restored in communities. We've got to come and name these things and repent. So, (laughs) with that said, here's the big question. How do we break out? How do we break out of these patterns that we have been in for a long time? How do we break down the walls that we have built between one another? How does real change come? How does heart change come? You know how it comes? By one source and one only, and it's only through God. Friends, that's why I began reading the the, the first part of Psalm uh, 85. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave all their iniquity. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. It's coming and remembering the actions of God and us submitting our lives to Him. Look down at verse 11 of Psalm 85. Actually, verse 10. It's what happens when you have a new Bible with a smaller print on it. We read this, Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Some of you are familiar with that passage. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Do you know what we find in this verse? The personification of God. God's incredible attributes coming together right here. And friends, listen, when we see steadfast love and faithfulness meet, when we see righteousness and peace kiss each other, do you know the most beautiful time that we see that happen is at the birth of our Savior. God breaking into this world breaking through the divisions 
that we have built up with one another, breaking through the division that existed between us and God. He came in steadfast love and faithfulness where righteousness and peace kiss each other. You know what steadfast love is? In the Hebrew, it's the word hesed. Some of y'all know that's one of my favorite Hebrew words. It describes God who is loving and kind, who's forgiving, who brings salvation to a people who do not deserve it. That's what steadfast love is. That is God's commitment to you and to me. His commitment that He will never abandon His people. That He is the one who is faithful in all that He has promised And then righteousness and peace coming together to kiss each other. What we see is Jesus, the righteous one, came to make us righteous. And friends, when all these come together, guess what is so beautiful? We find that our lives become reconciled to God. And as our lives are reconciled to God, guess who else they're reconciled with? The person you're sitting next to. We become reconciled to each other because of what God has done for us in bringing a Savior among us. Don't you see what's happening here? God came among us to bring His peace so that you and I would live as people of peace. So that through peace we could take hope to a community that is longing to hear words of hope today. Friends, that's our calling. That's our mission And what the Lord is calling us is that we come and gather together around His mission, not our little individual missions down here, but around His mission. What our community needs to see is a church coming together so that we can be the church to the community. Friends, that's the calling for you and me. And so we end with this. Remember the mercies of God Read through this psalm this week. Let God stir in you what He has come to do for you and the peace that He has made through the cross. And then see what it looks like to begin to live at peace with your neighbor where there has once been discord. Because God has made peace through the blood of His Son who came among us. We are now instruments of peace in this community. My prayer every morning, someone noticed me walking around the church. I've shared this with some of you. I do that every Sunday morning, praying for what God is going to do in here, praying for protection over the church, praying that our lives would be so transformed by Him, and praying that this church wouldn't just be a place that you come on Sunday and then go about your week, but that through our worship, we would be so formed and shaped around the image of Jesus that we would truly be a beacon of light in this community. Of all the people, let us at St. Andrews, the body of Christ, rise up as people of peace because we know that peace has been made with us through Christ. Amen? Amen.